Welcome to Reveal Truth, the audio outreach ministry of Moores Creek Baptist Church. I am Pastor Roger Barnes, and I invite you now to join me as we open the Bible, God's Revealed Truth. You'll remember this book of Ephesians is a book that has three chapters of theology, chapters 1, 2, and 3, followed by three chapters of application of that theology, which is 4, 5, and 6. And uh, those chapters that uh, we're stuck right dead in the middle of right now are those theological chapters. Those that are a little bit tough to get through take a little bit of digging and understanding, but we have reached this point in chapter 3, where two weeks ago we started in chapter 3, and we looked at this uh, very first section together. So if you would, how about take your Bibles with, you have those turned to Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1 and stand with me in the honor of the reading of His Word. And let's read together, and then we'll dive in where we left off last week. So the very first verse of the third chapter of Ephesians reads like this. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it, is, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given to me by the effective working of his power. Father, this morning we have opened your word and we have read it. Now I ask this of you, that you make little of me and a lot of you as we look at this scripture. You speak to our hearts and we'll be obedient to listen. This we pray in the name of your precious son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you and you may be seated. So this morning as we pick up where we left off, let me give you a quick recap of where we were. We were looking at this very first verse. It says, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. If you remember two weeks ago, we talked about Paul and his imprisonment. The fact that he had written half of the New Testament, most of all, if not all of those books were written while he was imprisoned, while he was stuck somewhere in a prison. Um, find it a little interesting as you look back at the first and second chapters of the book of Ephesians, keeping in mind that this was written while he was stuck in a prison cell, chained to a guard, how he proclaimed the greatness of God. I think I told you last week that very first chapter took us from, from where we were here on earth. It looked at the entire scope of the picture of Christ from his time on earth to the time that he went to be with his father after his death, burial, and resurrection. We moved into chapter 2, and chapter 2 took us along that journey with him. Chapter 2 said, here's how you get to partake, become a fellow heir, become adopted into the family, and here's how you wind up. Even now that you're still here on earth, your home is in heaven. You're with Jesus. Jesus at the right hand of the Father in his presence. And so chapter 1 gives the plan. Chapter 2 says how we participate in it. He dives in here to chapter 3. And you haven't really caught on yet because I haven't talked much about it. But chapter 3 actually starts as a prayer. Now we saw back in chapter 1 that that in chapter 2 where Paul had stopped to pray. Paul had stopped to say a prayer back in in the very first couple of chapters there in one place. But he stops here in in chapter 3 to say another prayer. And he starts off, he says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. And then there's a problem. If you happen to know your grammar, you're not going to find the verb that goes with that very first sentence until the 14th verse. So from verse 2 to verse 13 is a parenthesis. It's not even part of his prayer. 
He starts with the prayer and he gets so caught up in the fact that he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ that he actually throws this extra in the middle. What is the extra that he threw in? It's another explanation of chapter 2. Because what he's about to pray for the church, if you happen to look over in the, verse, in the 14th verse, says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So what was his prayer? His prayer was about to stop and pray for the Ephesian church, and, and by extension for us, is that you would understand those things that he's already been teaching. But as Paul started that third chapter, it must have raised up in his mind, are they going to know? Are they going to know what I explained in chapter 2? And he stops there in that parenthesis, started in that second verse, and, and he adds in, again, this mystery. So we started looking at Paul, Paul the prisoner. We said Paul was a prisoner. It could have been for three different things as, as we look at it. If you remember, Paul was, before he became a Christian, he was very much into the Jewish tradition, into Jewish religion, so much so that he was persecuting the Christians. When he became a Christian and he started preaching that the Gentiles too could have faith, the Jews hated him. So they locked him away in prison. The second group that participated in that prison locking up or the putting away was the Romans. For the Romans rescued Paul from the hands of the Jews at one point in time, lest they would kill him. And then the Jews said, well, he's been talking about your government too and how your government doesn't take rule over the Christians, so they lock him up. Then Paul gets to looking, and we had looked at the passages, where he had decided to go to this Jewish community against the counsel of his fellow Christians, against the counsel of the Holy Spirit, took it upon himself to go, and was locked up. So there was three reasons that Paul could have said he was locked up. He could have said, I, Paul, the prisoner of the Jews. I, Paul, the prisoner of the Romans. Or I, Paul, the prisoner of my stupidity. I find myself there a lot. Anybody else? Maybe you wind up locked up in something because of something you did. Paul could have said any of those three things. Yet what did Paul say? I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ. Because he realized before any of those three things, his own stupidity, the Romans or the Jews, before they ever locked him up, Jesus had locked him up. What had Jesus locked him up in? His salvation. His love for him. He had placed his arms around him and taken him out of that world of sin. And he had locked him up in this love of God. And he realized that even in a jail cell, that God was providential. There was the providence of God even there. He realized it didn't matter that he was sitting bound to a Roman soldier in a prison. That's where God intended for him to be. And he was settled with that. How many of us in our life are in a place that we don't want to be? And we're bit so busy, so uh, trying so hard to find a way out of this situation, we never stop to think, did God put me there for a reason? Paul, while locked up, five years by the time he wrote Ephesians, said, I'm here because that's where God wants me. And it was that providence that led to the next thing that we looked at last week, that providence, the attitude of providence of being in God's hand, God being in control, led to the peace, the peace that Paul felt. You see, Paul understood that even though it wasn't easy, 
Even though it wasn't the nicest of places to be. Even though his life wasn't what he wanted, that he could have peace in God. Why? Why could he have peace in God? God makes us promises as Christians. You realize that? One of the promises he never makes you is that the Christian life is going to be easy. That promise is not there. As a matter of fact, the exact opposite promise is there. He promises you persecution. He promises you a difficult time. He promises that life won't go your way. Why? Because you're living in a world that is bound to sin. But your life doesn't look like that. Your life is different. You're trying to live this life that is holy, is like Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this. How easy was Jesus' life on earth? (laughs) I can't think of a single time that I see his life being easy. He was constantly chased by those that wanted something. Feed me, heal me, raise the dead. He was constantly being chased by those who wanted to kill him. He had the inner 12. And one of those was filled with the devil. Jesus' life ended in persecution. Jesus' life ended in murder. He was murdered. He was beaten so badly he couldn't be recognized upon a cross. He was beaten so badly that they didn't even, if they hadn't known who he was, you wouldn't even be able to recognize him. He had thorns driven upon his head. He was beat across his back till the flesh came apart and was torn. Blood flowed from his body from this cross. Yet hanging on the cross, when a thief to his side said, leave him alone, he is Christ. And he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What did he do? He said, today you will be with me. Here he hung upon a cross, literally beaten to death, bleeding. Yet he reached out to a lost and dying sinner and said, today you will be with me in paradise. Even though his life was miserable, humanly speaking, he still had the heart of Christ. And see, that's what Paul said. Paul said, I may be locked in prison. I may be away from my friends and family. I may be chained to this big, ugly, nasty Roman guard. I may be eating slop and water and bread or whatever it may be. But God's got me here for a reason. And if God's in control, I'm at peace. Because when God has you in the palm of your hand, even though your life doesn't head in the direction you think it should go, you're always safe and secure. Buried a dear saint yesterday. One of my... Probably closest confidence in things. And uh, she's, she'd been around a long time on this earth. She'd seen a lot of things. Miss Annette Cox went home to be with the Lord uh, Thursday night, I guess it was, about 6.30, and was buried yesterday. And What a beautiful service, just awesome, beautiful service. But the thing that resounded and everybody that spoke about this lady, even her family, her son gets up and speaks, and one of her grandsons, and just everything that was mentioned about this lady was how you never heard her complain. She always talked about how good Christ was, what God had done for her. And if you called her up, she might not be able to even get out of the chair to get to the phone, but she would struggle to the phone. And when she answered it, you would never know there was anything wrong with Miss Annette. When you said, Miss Annette, I've got something I need you to pray about, she wouldn't say, I'll put it on my list. She would say, let's pray. She didn't care if you were on the phone or you were standing in person, if you were in the middle of Walmart or you were in the grocery store. If you walked up to her and said, Miss Annette, I need you to pray for something, she said, let's do it right here. And she'd pray for you because she was so confident, even trapped in that body that gave her so much pain, she was at peace. She was at peace with God, knowing 
that he was in control of all things. And that's what Paul said. Paul said that he had this celebration of where he was and, and that he was really just uh, had his composure and his confidence about it all because of God and God's will in his life. But then the last thing we see about Paul and this, this being locked up in prison, we saw his providence, God's providence in that. We saw God's peace in that for Paul. But what Paul saw the largest in this being locked up, being imprisoned for Christ, was his purpose. Have you ever wondered what your purpose is? Have you ever wondered what the purpose in the situation that you're at right now in your life is? Have you ever questioned God? Say, God, there's a million other ways that you could do this. Why this way? I've been there. If you say you haven't, we need to switch over tonight. We'll have a Bible study online, and all of you need to be here. Because you've all done that. You've all wondered, God, why is this coming to my life? Why has this health situation arisen? Why have I lost this job? Why? You know it's okay to say why to God. Do you realize it's okay to ask? But you're still to be obedient to what he tells you, where he has you, that place in life. And you should be at peace that God's in control, and you should look for the purpose. I find it interesting, Paul's imprisonment, There where he says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, and he gives this reason, for you Gentiles. Now, what have we been talking about in the first two chapters of the book of Ephesians? We've been talking about the unity of the church. Remember? We talked about how the salvation was both for the Jews and the Gentiles. We talked about how we were both one in Christ. We talked about how there was, there was one Father, one Son, one Holy Spirit, one baptism. Everything was about this unity. Paul was locked up because he said that the Gentiles were equal in God's eyes to the Jews because of Christ. There is no difference. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. We all approach that cross as sinners. We all approach that cross lost dying and headed to a place called hell. It doesn't matter how many times you sit on a church pew. It doesn't matter if you've taught Sunday school, sung in the choir, stood in the pulpit. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your destiny is a place called hell. And it doesn't matter. That ground is very level at the foot of the cross. You could start a church. You could build it yourself. You could preach it for 25 years. But if you don't know my Jesus, you're dead in sins and trespasses. And your destiny is a place called hell. And this is what he was saying to those Jews. Those Jews didn't want to hear it. Those Jews said, we have our rituals. We have our cleansing. We have our feasts. We have these things we do. We added laws on top of the Ten Commandments to make sure we could keep the laws. We've got all this stuff in place. And Paul looked at him and said, I was once one of you. But I'm telling you, there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus. And to top it off, the Gentiles, the ones that you hate so much that don't participate in your rituals, they get it. They get it. They understand that Jesus is their Savior. The same Savior that saves the Gentiles, the same Savior that saves the Jews. That conflict is what put him in prison in the first place. The fact that he was willing to preach that gospel to all. See, he says it's for the Gentiles. There's three things that he finds himself locked up in prison for that he finds his purpose. And we'll do these very quickly. The first of the three things is he finds himself being a minister to the saints. Being a minister to the saints. If you're taking notes, this is where he's talking about you. This is the place that the pastor said, hey, this Paul, this Paul is a minister to the saints. Who are the saints? 
Those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Those who will be in obedient to Christ as, as Him being the Lord of their life. Those who are walking that path that God has set before them. Those are the saints. Christian, that's you. See, there is no level of sainthood. You're either in or you're out. You're either saved or you're lost. I have some folks that have called me once in a while and said, Pastor, I sure wish you'd pray for me because I know you've got a special connection to God. I hate to break your heart. The same God that listens to me listens to you. There's only one mediator between us and God, and that's my Savior, Jesus Christ. If he's your Savior, he's the exact same mediator. And see, Paul understood that even though he was locked away in prison, he was going to be a minister to those saints, those ones that knew his Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that one who grasped the concept that there was a way to heaven, and it was through this person, this person that was the Son of God that hung upon a cross and died and was buried and rose again. And he said, I'm going to minister to them. How did he minister from prison to the saints? <laughs> I found it kind of interesting. He wrote, best I could tell, about six, maybe seven books of your new testament while sitting behind prison bars he wrote ephesians philippians colossians philemon first and second timothy for sure while sitting in prison do you not find that interesting what would you do if you woke up tomorrow morning locked away in prison for preaching your faith what would you do i know what my first inclination would be find a way out (laughs) wouldn't want to be there I think this is a mistake. You can't lock me up in America for preaching Christ. I'm afraid to do that. Doesn't anybody read the Constitution anymore? And the entire congregation said, absolutely not. We watch them every day. If I was locked up in prison tomorrow, my first thought would be injustice. I need out. (laughs) What was Paul's thought? Paul said, I've got all this time on my hands. Let me write down everything God's ever told me. And he sits back in the dark dampness of prison. And writes you a letter. A letter we're looking at today. Telling you what it means to be saved in Jesus Christ. Not only what it means to be saved, to be put together as one body in Christ. Yet he's separated from that body. He's locked away in a prison. He can't even be with the body. Yet his heart, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, was spilled out in numerous books to the church. He sat in those prison cells ministering to the saints. I find it kind of interesting. I bet Paul was a lot like me. I think I know why he wound up locked up in prison so much. Because once in a while, God's got to do something to me to make me stop long enough to hear him. You ever been there? You know, Paul had been going 100 mile an hour persecuting these Christians. And suddenly now he becomes a Christian. And all he wanted to do was share the gospel, share the gospel. He wanted to go here. He wanted to go there. He wanted to talk to this bunch. He wanted to go back to the Jews, even though the Holy Spirit said, don't do it. Paul said, I'm going anyway. He was just wound up about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. When he wasn't obedient to God, God took him and stuck him in this prison cell. He says, now you'll listen to me. You got nothing else to do. And God spoke to him. God spoke to him while locked away in that prison so that he could speak to us. I find that so interesting. So he ministered to the saints, but you know what? He was also a blessing to the sinners. Have you ever thought about how much of a blessing Paul was to the sinners? You said, well, sure he was. He wrote the scripture. No. Keep in mind, there's not much in the scripture that an unsaved person's going to understand, if anything. The Bible tells us that. For an unsaved person to read scripture, they don't get anything out of it. And why is that? 
How do you understand Scripture as a Christian? Is it your intellect? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit tells you what's written on these pages as you read it. The problem with the person that's not saved is they don't have the Holy Spirit. They can't pick up the Bible and read it and understand it like you do. You know the only thing they understand out of Scripture? Is that they're lost and they need a Savior. Are people saved that have never been saved by reading Scripture? Absolutely. But if you take them to the book of Ephesians, you think they're going to get much out of it as a non-Christian? No. But you take them to the book of John. You let them read about that Jesus. They're convicted by that reading, and they come to know him as Lord and Savior. So Paul was a blessing to the sinners, but it must not have been through those books that he wrote in the New Testament. So how was it? Look over at Philippians with me. Philippians chapter 1. Flip fast. We're running out of time. I'm going to start without you. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. It reads like this. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, here is Paul writing to Timothy, or Paul and Timothy writing to the Philippian church. And Paul says, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. So here he is saying, I've been locked up. My being locked up has actually furthered the gospel. It's furthered the gospel so much that the palace guard that's locked up next to me realizes the chains I'm wearing has nothing to do with him. It's all about Christ. He goes on to verse 14. And most of the brethren of the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So what had happened? Because he was bold to speak the word while locked to a prison guard, those that were saved that were not in prison became bold. They said, if Paul can do it while locked in a prison, what excuse do we have? And they went out and they started sharing that gospel. It doesn't stop there. He says in 15, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife and some also from goodwill. The former preached Christ from self-ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my change, but change, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. What does he say? He says, if I'm locked up, and I can share the gospel here, and someone outside of this prison cell gets motivated by the fact that I'm locked up in preaching the gospel, and they go preach the gospel, even if they do it for the wrong thing, for envy and strife. If they go and do it to heap upon Paul more punishment, saying, Paul told me to do it, but if they're preaching Christ, whether for the right reason or the wrong reason, as long as Christ is preached, keep me locked up, is what Paul said. Paul said, don't take me out of affliction. Let me be a motivation for Christ to be preached. And he said, what am I going to do when that happens? I'm going to rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Matter of fact, we have uh, definite examples of those things happen, uh, happening in the Word. don't know if you remember the story of, of uh, uh, Philemon, the, the uh, guy who lost his slave over in the book of Philemon, Philemon or Philemon, as I like to say it, over towards the end of the, the New Testament, right back before you get to the book of Hebrews, if you're not used to finding that. It's just a one-chapter book, and uh, it's Paul writing uh, to, and Timothy again with him, writing to Philemon, who is a friend and a fellow uh, laborer, he says, and he's, he says he's writing to a few other folks. And in the eighth verse of that one-chapter book, he says this, Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you. 
being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, there he is again talking about being locked up. He goes on in verse 10 to say, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. Onesimus, very quickly since we're out of time, Onesimus was Philemon's slave. Onesimus decided to run away from Philemon. He ran away from Philemon. He got in trouble in a particular city and gets locked up in prison. Who do you think happens to be in the cell he gets locked up in? (laughs) Paul. He gets locked up next to Paul in prison. Onesimus, when he was locked up, was not saved. How do we know that? Because it says here in in, uh, verse 10, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who I have begotten while in my chains. While Paul is chained to a Roman guard next to Onesimus, he shares the good news of Jesus Christ, and Onesimus gets saved. What did Paul know about his prison time? He knew that he was a minister to the saints. He wrote those books. He knew that he was a blessing to the the sinners. As a matter of fact, in Philippians, if you want to flip there really fast, Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians chapter 4, he makes a statement that I find very interesting. Philippians 4, we'll just read the 22nd verse for the sake of time. It says in Philippians chapter 4, the 22nd verse, All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. Who was it that had locked Paul up physically? The Romans. Who was the head of the Romans where Paul was locked up? Caesar. Paul's locked up by the Romans. Caesar's in charge, and this verse said, All the saints greet you, especially those who are of Caesar's household. See, even when they think that they've got you down, look what God did. Paul's locked up in Caesar's household, around Caesar's people. What happens to them? (laughs) They got saved. Because it says there that the saints greet you. To be a saint, you must be saved. And apparently those in Caesar's household had become saints. They locked Paul away in a prison. And instead of woe is me, he says, what an opportunity. He shares the good news of Jesus Christ even with this, his captors. So he was ministering to the saints. He was a blessing to the sinners. But most importantly, he was glorifying to Christ. He was glorifying to Christ. See, it's amazing to think of those things that, that Paul did and wrote and, and talked about as he was locked away in those, those prison cells. But what was most amazing to think about in Paul's journey through those prison cells was how much he just shared the good news of Jesus Christ and just, just did it in such a way that Christ was magnified. And I think about 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, it says this, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. What's he saying? He's saying things are going so well, but have this tendency to get a big head and think it's all about me. To make sure that I knew it wasn't all about me, God gave me this thorn in my flesh. And what was the thorn? have no idea, but I do know it's from Satan because it says that in the Word. So he got this thorn in his flesh, and he said that thorn was there lest I be exalted above measure, unless I had the opportunity to look and say it's all about Roger. Isn't Roger's preaching great? Doesn't he study the Word wonderful? Unless I get that way, Satan is allowed once in a while to get at me. God puts into play this thing that keeps me humble 
Same thing happened with Paul. He goes on to say, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. So Paul, this great Paul that wrote half of the New Testament, asked God for it to be removed. What was God's response? And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities than the power of Christ, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures and infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul, sitting in prison, said, I can minister to the saints by writing those things that the Holy Spirit puts on my heart. I can be a blessing to the sinners by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with them and their lives being changed. He said, but even if I don't have an opportunity to do those two things, I can glorify Christ. And as he sat there in that prison cell, as he was trying his best to minister to those around him, all he wanted to do was lift Christ up in all that he did. In all that he said, he wanted Christ to be magnified and glorified. What an awesome thought to think about his thought process about God, even while locked away in a prison. I think he sums it up pretty well in the, in the third chapter of Philippians when he says this, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Verse 7 of chapter 3 of Philippians. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which was from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. What did Paul say? If it takes me losing everything I have, if it takes me having everybody turn their back on me, if it takes me to the point of death, if it glorifies Christ, bring it on. He said, for what good? What good is to have all the riches of the world and lose my soul? What good is it to have the favor of all men and not be favored by my God? What good is it to live a thousand years and never have eternal life with God? What good? Paul simply said, I've been through prisons. I've been through beatings, as we talked about. I've been through separations for those that I love so much. But I've done it all for the glory of God. I ask you this morning, what prison cell are you locked up in? What's happening in your life right now that you don't have an explanation for? You've been trying to find a way out instead of a way up. What in your life are you questioning where God is this morning? Maybe today's the day you need to turn it over to him and say, God, I'm where I am in my life for a reason. And because I'm one of your children, that reason must be your will. So I accept that. I'm going to be at peace with wherever you put me. And I'm going to look for the opportunities to glorify you in all circumstances. See, for Christ can do all things. And Christ does all things through us. This world needs to know about Jesus. And oftentimes, we 
have to suffer to share that good news. This morning, are you suffering and wondering why? Maybe you come to this altar and you ask God, is this particular place that I'm in your will? If it is, give me peace and give me opportunity to share the good news. Maybe this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you have no idea what it means to be in prison for him. Maybe you're in a prison, a place called hell is your future. The prison that you're in is a prison of sin. And you have a master. Don't think you're in control of your own life if you're not a Christian. I have people tell me all the time, well, I don't want to be a Christian because I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Wake up. You're being told what to do right now, but it's by the angel of light, better known as Satan. He disguises himself in such a way that you believe that you're in control of all things, and you're not. You're either under the lordship of the angel of light, Satan, or you're under the lordship of Christ. If you're under the lordship of Satan, your destiny is a place called hell. Eternal, forever punishment and separation from God. If your Lord is Jesus Christ, your eternity is a place called heaven. A place forever in the presence of the one who died upon a cross for your sins. Was buried and rose again that you might have a new life and has promised us he's there now preparing us a home. And when that home is finished, he will come and get us. Those are your two choices. There is no middle ground. There is no common denominator. There is no politically right statement. I have no other way of saying it. Either you're going to hell or you're going to heaven. And this morning, because you have heard the message, that ball has now been put in your court. When you leave that door, you can no longer tell God that you don't know that there's a Savior. You're solely responsible for what happens. If you don't wake up in the morning and you wind up in a place called hell, you can't blame God. He told you how to miss it today. Thank you for joining us here at Revealed Truth. I would like to personally invite you to visit with us at Morris Creek Baptist Church. We're located at 3107 Union Chapel Road in Curry, North Carolina. Our Sunday school starts at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and is followed at 11 o'clock with our Sunday morning worship service. We also have a time of prayer and Bible study on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. We look forward to seeing you soon.